Welcome back, Queen City. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit us up on the text line, 704-570-9610. Hit up those socials, WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram, at Walker Mail on Twitter and Instagram, at West Bryan underscore 72 on Twitter and Instagram, and at Shroppy WFNZ on Twitter. Walker, what you got going on the text line? Um, Hornets Ron wrote in, yeah, young bucks aren't cultured. I turned my employees on to older music of all genres and movies that are classic, are classics or cult classics. Parents need to do better. Shout out to Wes. And then he said gold albums started way before the chronic Hold on. Walker. Like, I got you. I got I to gotta get in. Don't be throwing slander at my parents because they, they took me to five Rush concerts. I've seen Iron Maiden live. I've seen Megadeth live. Probably turning red. Yeah, so I know all these... I know all the '80s music. I just they never. But he really might not have been talking about you, Shrop. He no, might have been talking no. about a lot of the the, the hip hop, the parents that listen to the hip hop and don't uh, culture the baby. Man, but, but this is the thing. Though. I know Run DMC. Come on now. Well, yeah, but how much though, right? <laughs> right. Like, this is the thing. But yeah. this is the thing, and I'm not even hating because I had to do this too. My mm. mom was not listening to hip hop. Mine either. I I so this is some people will take it upon themselves. And I actually did have some of it taught to me. I mean, the first album I ever heard or heard was It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. Right. I was like, what in the bleep is this? Yeah. Chuck D, Flavor Flav is the hype guy. And then I had a CD made for me of gold era rap where it's like, okay, this is phenomenal. And then that transitioned into a love for like Tribe Called Quest. And I started going with the different eras. But if, you, if you're not shown that, then... It's going to be really hard. Like, it's not an easy thing to do to go back and make sure you got to put in time to research the list. What are the top 100? Wes, one of the reasons I got into it, I remember rolling through the marathon on VH1 in like 2009 of top 100 hip hop songs ever. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so you're at the mercy of whatever they decide. If you're not really looking up on the internet like that, now it's different here in 2023 compared to what I was doing in 08 and 09, but it's, it does take work and sometimes you just don't know where to start if your parents don't listen to the specific genre of music that you grow up liking. Because I I mentioned Tom Petty, Steve mm-hmm. Stevie Wonder, Bill Withers, all sorts of stuff. That was mom's favorites. And I know a lot of that and I'm glad about the foundation. But if you like something else then, yeah, you do have a lot of work to do if you don't have anybody showing you the way. Yeah, no question. And my mom, like I said, she grew up mostly listening to pop and rock. And then my uncle also, you know, he was a DJ, so he was more uh, in the hip-hop culture. But he also liked a little bit of everything because they were 70s kids back when radio mm-hmm. was meshed and every radio station played at all. And I will say, too, in Shroppy and his generation's defense is that when I was coming up, you had the source. You had magazines that you read all the time. Um, and so that's where you got your information. And so when you read about these records and saw the reverence that they would get in print, then it would kind of uh, spark that curiosity to where now they don't really have that. And a lot of the younger, I guess, bloggers or whatever the case or wherever they get their source of Im- information for their music, they don't talk about these records like that. So you do have to kind of be around somebody that will show you to whereas I would read the source, XXL mm-hmm. magazine, things like that, that would tell me 
about these things and then I wanted to check. Well, them this out. could be a fun listener question. What is the first song you heard that either got you crazy in love with a genre or an artist? What's the first thing you heard? Because for me, I keep going back to It Takes a Nation a Million. Mm-hmm. Would you have a specific album that you can remember? This is the first thing that got me onto this new lifestyle. Shroppy has one while you're thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, it's uh, Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites there by Skrillex, dude. Really got me back into, like, into EDM back in 2013. Okay, yeah, I have no clue what you're talking about. Uh, but I need to go back and look it up. Yeah. You now have you now have opened me up to an entirely different realm, and so Love's now I need to go look that up. Well, I think when I was a kid, I, I had so much because, like I said, I had younger aunts and uncles that would watch the music videos and things like that, so I got exposed to that from an early age. Then my uncle being a DJ, going through his records, I was literally digging through the crates, so that was kind of my uh, expectation to that as well. Dougie Fresh said dog food, the dog pound. That's something that got him onto it. The first time my mom let me buy to actually had parental advisory on it was Wu-Tang Forever. But I was already smuggling tapes and all that before. <laughs> I can tell her that you now. You said smuggling. I was. Because <laughs> I, I couldn't listen to music that had cursing on it, so yeah. I would have to get it through. I had to be resourceful with how I got my music. Well, I, I told you, too. I remember when I was on LimeWire. Yep, I did the LimeWire yeah. thing. And when I was on Apple Music and I got a couple of, I I remember I I downloaded Don't Sweat the Technique. I Mm. downloaded the music video. Mm. If you don't know the music video, there are a lot of women that are in bikinis walking around. And so I did not want my mom to go on to my library, a part of Apple Music, click on the video and see what I had downloaded on my iPod video. And so I hid that thing. I always had it scrolled up to the A's. As much as I could, so it wouldn't be Eric B. Rocket yeah. if we had it filtered by the artist. <laughs> I was sweating. Anytime she was on the computer, it's like, yep, this is going to be the day she gets me. She's going to say, Walker, what are you doing watching that music video? Be like, Mom, but the beat is fire, though. Eric B. killed it. <laughs> All right, go ahead. All <laughs> right, so talking a little bit of basketball, turning the page, and the NBA draft, we've been talking a lot about the Hornets picks, but five of the first seven picks of the draft came from either uh, Metropolitan's 92, which was overseas, G League Ignite, or Overtime Elite. And so uh, I like to check out Gilbert Arenas and the crew talking about different topics in basketball. And so he and Brandon Jennings, Rashad McCants, and I forget the host name, uh, it's one of his guys, but uh, they talked about that this draft killed college basketball in terms of kids kind of wanting to go alternate routes to get to the NBA and NIL not really being worth it for the top prospects uh, to be able to go there when they could just be already making tons of money and playing in some of these leagues. So let's go to some of that sound. Uh, first with Brandon Jennings uh, talking about that. Low-key, this could, like, I mean, some of these kids are, good, like, 16, 17-year-olds. Like, they're, they're good enough to go now. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, all that McDonald's, all American shit, all that, like, that, it, it probably won't even matter anymore. Like, like, because if kids, if you can get paid at 16 and you're good enough and they're saying the next two years just go develop and we'll pay, well, I mean, I don't care about none of that, that high school stuff no more either. Because yeah, I, I mean, can but, go overseas and go play or, you know, play against grown men. Yeah, so then you had that point, and then Gilbert Arenas, he chimed in as well uh, with what he thought about that topic. Let's run that as well. It's a tricky thing because at the end of the day, you still got to rely on the school, rely on the school, mm-hmm. right, to get you these bags. Yep. At the end of the day, it's still you're still a college kid with no name. So let's say I'm McDonald's, right? Why the f- am I giving you 25 grand? I'm not even giving NBA players this. Right. If I'm if I'm um, I mean, shoe companies are not going to really touch it. I, just just anybody. Right. 
Why am I giving you, you, who are you? Your name is not bigger than the NBA player's name. So if we're not giving these bags to NBA players, then what y'all going to get 1500 2500 right? Um, if you're a football player, you got a little bit more weight because um, you've got to stay three years, yep. right? Mm-hmm. You know, football player, you've got to stay three years. So I'm investing in a three-year player. One and done player, by the time you make enough noise, you're about to enter the draft. Yeah, so Walker, I think that this is a, a very interesting topic. Now, me personally, I still think top prospects are going to go to college enough to be able to feed the sport what it needs, and I think those guys will be getting a lot of the NIL money. But as far as just looking at maybe a changing of the guard with what we see here, five of the top seven players either being from overseas or playing in one of these alternate leagues, G League Ignite or Overtime Elite, do you feel like this may have at least dealt a severe blow to college basketball and that way of getting to the league. Uh, if it's, yeah, I was going to ask you what you meant by, is it a severe blow to college basketball? Because it is a severe blow to the ratings and the amount of interest around it. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any change in that. I think you would love for Wimby to be playing college basketball. It'd be fantastic. I think you'd love for the Thompson twins to be playing college basketball. It's why when we talked about the one-and-done rule being bad for the sport, it didn't make much sense to me because the alternative was not having that one year of Zion. You could argue college basketball helped him out, too. It certainly put him Oh, no question. It made him a rock star. It put him in the spotlight. No doubt about it. But also, it helped college basketball. Let's let's be real as far as this being a symbiotic relationship between the two. If Scoot would have gone to Auburn, then there would have been a lot more eyeballs on the Tigers basketball team this season. Just like what we got with Alabama having gone to the NCAA tournament as a number one seed. I don't don't think that this is going to be something that is a real negative consequence for college basketball. Mm -hmm. I just can't see it. Because you still, I mean, Wimby is the number one overall pick. And he's playing overseas. Bilal Koulibaly. He didn't come over to the G League. He's the seventh overall pick, but he's playing overseas. I remember Brandon Jennings went that route when he he came out. So that's why the messaging is funny to me. Because you didn't have a lot of this happening. But he is one of the first guys that I can remember that decided to go overseas and just skip college altogether. Because he didn't have the G League or he didn't have that option when he was coming out of high school. And he was highly regarded. A big time. A big touted prospect. But you look at the other guys, I mean, Overtime Elite, G League Ignite, overseas guys are drafted in the top seven, okay? You have five of the top seven if you wanted to go with that measurement. Yeah. The next, Houston, Central Florida, Kentucky, Michigan, Duke, Kansas, UConn, Michigan, Baylor, Indiana. We can keep on going. They're okay. Certainly a lot of the top talent, they were taken in this specific NBA draft. But who's to say this thing isn't going to go back and forth? You had a lot of other college athletes that were taken right after that. And I mentioned this too at the Spectrum Center, man. Maybe this is a part of the NBA's problem. Maybe they're not scouting the right way if a lot of these college guys are falling back and then you have a Jalen Brunson slip through the cracks. A Christian Brown, who was a real rotation player in the postseason for Denver, slip through the cracks. So this this is just kind of an ever-flowing thing. Adapt or die. I, I wonder if this comes back full circle for the NBA once again. Yeah, because the thing is, when you look at it, I just wonder now will you see more kids look at this and say, okay, because you look at the 2024 mock draft according to Tankathon and the number one pick 
is projected to come out of the G League. The first two picks, actually, out of the G League. The third selection from a foreign team uh, overseas. But then the rest for the up until the 12th pick are all college kids. So that's just the thing I was wondering as far as will more kids look at this and say, okay, there are kids that can come out of the G League elite or overtime elite and go in the top five, top ten of the draft. Will they just decide to say, hey, I'm just going to go get uh, the bigger payday now where I can just work on my skills. I don't have to worry about class. Yeah. And then the dad, I mean, not to say that my son's going to be some prospect or whatever, but in the event that it could happen, I was thinking to myself, which option would I want him to take? Because if your kid ends up being a one and doneer, it is kind of like, what's the point? You would love for them to go back and be able to get their college degrees, but you're like, what's the point? So I feel like if, if that's the decision, if you have a kid that's a one and done legit guy, I probably would encourage him to go to one of these leagues instead of college basketball, which I feel like could trickle down if more kids start to see this blueprint and want to go this route. And it could hurt college basketball as far as it having a lack of uh, top tier talent. Yeah, the, the top touted high school guys, that is the interesting thing to consider because Brandon Miller, while highly touted, was not one of the top three prospects. Now, Nick Smith Jr. was, coincidentally, being a Charlotte Hornet, too. And he went to Arkansas, got hurt, and then it hurt his draft stock. I'm not sure how much his draft stock is hurt if the same situation happens with G League Ignite or one of these other G League teams associated with the NBA. But yeah, Brandon Miller sneaking up on you. That's, that's the thing, too. And this is what coaches are going to tell you. If they're recruiting you against the G League, then they're going to point to Brandon Miller and tell you, you can make up a lot of ground here in college basketball. Brandon Miller passing Scoot Henderson allows you a pretty good argument to point to the one and done route going to college basketball and say, hey, this is not some done deal that Scoot Henderson is going to be the number two pick. This is not some done deal that whoever's playing for Ignite or Overtime Elite is going to be taken higher than you because Brandon Miller went to Alabama for one season, killed it, and then decided that he was going to move on to the NBA because he made that much of a difference with the one year that he played. And so I wonder if that's what a lot of coaches are going to point to. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see going forward if this is going to have a trickle-down effect and ultimately hurt college basketball as far as just top-tier talent being available. But when we come back on the Wesson Walker Show, how many leaders do the Panthers have on their roster on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ? It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We have a lot of text to get to. 803 talking about Shroppy selections as top five rappers. Said Shrop is out of his mind leaving Kendrick Lamar off. Are you a Kendrick Lamar fan, Shroppy? I am. I am. That was a that was a tough decision. Like I said, that that list was not easy to make at all. To bring it down to five is not easy. Yeah, tell so, him, Shroppy, that's your guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's. don't get me wrong, I... If I had a top 10, he would definitely be in there. But for the top five, I just don't listen to him enough to really put him in there. I came up with one very, very quickly because Wes asked me if I had a list and I didn't. And I don't want to be a coward in that regard. So I just came up with a Mount Rushmore and it was put together within a minute's worth of time. (laughs) And I landed on Rakim, Jay-Z, Biggie and Kendrick. And I don't even know if that's right or not. But that was my list that I came up with in a minute. Yeah, I went top five just as far as my current top five. Not all time, but the current. I went uh, Rick Ross, The Game, 
West Side Gun, uh, Trap. Who else did I say? Future. Forgot about Future. And then um, who else did I say? Trap. Did I say some? I know I said somebody else. Uh, Rose. Did you say them? I said Rose. The game. West Side Gun. Future. You think about it. Future. Future and didn't you say Rick Ross? I said that already. Yeah. So that. So that's yeah. five. All right. Yeah. Keep going. All right. If you have another one, you can tell us in a minute. Let's get to another 814. Uh, when we were asking the question about what's something you listened to for the first time and you knew, all right, I'm about to either hop on that artist or the genre or the thing that blew your mind, 814 said Carter 3. It's the first album they bought with their with okay. their own money. So the Carter Great 3, album. yeah, that's what a lot of people would point to. 980 said it ain't hard to tell from Illmatic. It's my favorite Nas beat. Mm. It ain't hard to tell. My favorite Nas beat of all time. So I can absolutely get on that one. Somebody, uh, Hurricane Hugo said Wu-Tang. Once they heard Wu-Tang, that was something that changed their life forever. And then with this college versus G League conversation, 910 said, if you're truly elite, doesn't matter where you go. The NBA will find you. Everyone else needs to go to college for viewership. And then Alex and Steel Creek wrote in, interesting conversation. It would be easier to truly weigh G League versus college if what is being offered to players who opt for college was transparent. I know you were going at least not back and forth in some kind of angry way, but you were going back and forth with a couple of textures. What did you make of some of those texts that I read and some of the uh, reaction we're getting on the text line? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of different ways to look at this situation. A lot of people will weigh in, especially what you could get paid. I would think that if you're a top prospect, though, you're going to get a nice uh, salary from the G League, and then you can also get or G, uh, G League Ignite or what are you getting? The, the other one. <laughs> Nah, if you're getting um, that, you're probably following Overtime that Elite. That's what I was I thinking. G League, Ignite, G League Ignite or Overtime Elite. But you can still get those endorsements <laughs> yeah. and things like that too, though. But I I do think that college basketball will make you a rock star. Um, If a coach is offering what you were just talking about offering, then I bet they follow I that route. I said G. I don't know what you guys mm -hmm. got. You said or else. blank is what yeah. you said. You said or that is what you said. 704-570-9610. Oh, Travis Scott was the other rapper. For you? Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> somebody wrote in Black Thought for me. Totally right. If I have a Illadelph Half-Life sweater, then I'll probably have to go to the Roots. So I'll put Black Thought up there as well if I wanted to conclude a top five list. Now, we've been teasing this the last couple of days. We didn't get to it yesterday. But we were discussing LaMelo. How soon could he be a leader with this Hornets franchise? Because Mitch Kupchak told you they're going to be looking for a leader in upcoming NBA free agency. Wes, you might have one with the Carolina Panthers okay. with the fifth round selection. Now, I don't know if it's going to happen this year, but if he pans out to even be just an average NFL player, the attitude is anything but average. Here is the phone call that goes down as shown in episode three of the Blueprint series for Carolina. The phone call between fifth round pick Jamie Robinson and Scott Fitterer and Ajero Averro and... Everybody else that spoke to the Florida State product, here's how that went out, uh, played out. When we called Jamie, it was kind of like he was very monotone. I, I wasn't the first one on the phone that they said he was very businesslike. Jamie. What's up, Coach? Hey, man, congratulations on becoming a Carolina Panther. He was pissed off. Like This is a guy that was, I think he said there's not 144 players better than me. Hey, just know I'm ready to work. I'm ready to come in and play. It ain't 144 guys better than me, and, and that's, that's just that. Yeah, awesome. I love it. I'm going to hold you to that every day, right? We're going to challenge each other, sure. each other better, right? That's like the perfect attitude that we want on this team. We want to get with the chip on the shoulder. The guy that's pissed off, the guy that's been slighted. And you can see that in his play. 
and see it carry over to a phone call. That's a special competitor right there. Everybody else was happy when they got the phone call, not Jamie Robinson. (laughs) He was more focusing on the fact that 144 guys got taken before he did. And then he told that to Jero Avero, not 144 guys better than me. What'd you think of the phone call? I love it because you think that regardless when a guy gets picked that he's just going to be happy and giddy and not thinking about uh, anything else but that. But when a guy's so angry that he just forgets the fact that his life just changed probably for the better because he's frustrated because he knows he's better than guys selected in front of him, I want that kind of guy on the team that I cheer for as well. Yeah, I think when you're talking about Jamie Robinson, somebody that we liked as that fifth-round selection, for him to have that attitude and also back it up with some of the attention he's getting in camp and some of the attention he's getting in OTAs and mandatory workouts, voluntary, whatever it is. He's getting some attention, which is nice. So not only do you have the attitude, but you also have him actually showing out there on the football field. Maybe this is someone that can come in and provide an impact right away. They also talked about special teams, which is the easy way to make it if you're a fifth round, sixth round pick or beyond. But maybe he actually sees some time in the secondary. It was really cool to hear what he had to say going back and forth between Scott Fitterer and Ajero Avero. So you can go check that out again with episode three dropping a part of the Panthers blueprint series. Now, if we want to get to some of the leaders, it might take a little while for Jamie to do that. So if we wanted to point to some of the leaders right now, who are guys that you think will step up? Is it is it as simple as Brian Burns being the first answer you think of, or is there somebody else that we're not thinking of as much? Um, maybe on the same tier as Brian graduating into a veteran leadership role. Yeah, I mean, you hear about how smart Brian is, how much he questions things, and not in a bad way, but just asking the right questions. Uh, he seems to be very vocal this offseason from what I see, so I think that he's growing into his own there. So I would go with him. But then Von Bell is another name that I think of. Uh, This guy's a vet. He's been to the Super Bowl. He's been in a huge playoff game. So I think he's a guy that the defense can look to as well. Derek Brown strikes me as pretty quiet. But I think on defense, you're talking Brian Burns, Von Bell, and then I think offensively, the leadership from what we've seen, especially from these blueprint shows already, Adam Thielen looks like a guy that people are going to be able to lean on, especially that receiver group. Uh, And I think Miles Sanders may be able to garner a little bit of that as well. I mean, Bryce Young, I think it goes without saying him being a rookie. He may kind of dial it back because he doesn't want to step on toes. But I think Bryce Young, he's coming into his own already. You've already heard in the locker room the stamp that he's left. So Bryce Young, I think, will be the de facto leader on the offense on top of those two guys. So you mentioned a couple of players, Brian Burns, maybe not Derek Brown. Feels like he's a little bit more soft-spoken. And I may be wrong, but... Well, and we saw Shy Tuttle jump in and actually lead by example, teaching Derek Brown something. Hey, come back, do this drill again, because whatever you did the first time wasn't necessarily working for me. And that's the veteran defensive lineman coming in and actually teaching Derek Brown a thing or two. But you do wonder, you have stars or guys that could potentially be stars at a few different positions now. Brian Burns is a pro bowler already, already a very good football player. Can you change status in 2023? Can you do that with Derek Brown, who has a great year last season, obliterates the bus label, which was surrounding him, obliterates that with a, with a very strong year. So maybe you take a jump into him actually making a Pro Bowl game as well. And Iki Aquanu. I mean, you can see guys, especially at that left tackle spot, they come in, play well. 
He's already done that. You can see those guys make a big old jump in year two. I saw Marcus Mosher, pro football focus contributor. He put out some of those left tackles that make that big jump in their sophomore season. A lot of guys do it. I think Icky can also be that guy. Wes, I think he's the one that I feel the best about making a big old jump next year. The other guys may be a little bit harder from where they're starting. I think the bigger gap from year one to coming up this next season, I think Icky is the one I think will be the most improved. Yeah, I would agree with you there because all the things that you spoke about a lot of times with left tackles, we saw James Campen talk about uh, how much further ahead progressively he is than he was last year, how much he had to learn last year and things of that nature. Now he has a year of experience under him. So I would probably go along with you uh, with Icky as well. And then I think that Brian Burns, especially moving to a three, four outside linebacker, I think he's going to be able to see his numbers go up uh, just a little bit. I would, I would look for maybe a three, three and a half, sack improvement from him, at least which puts him at that franchise record. He does. But that 3-4, man, like I said, those pass rushing backers and 3-4s can put up some some nasty numbers. So I think we're going to see a lot from him, but I'll go with Icky. Well, and James Camp, and I talked about this too, it was in episode one, I forget which one it was, but James Camp and speaking to the team, saying we can be teachers, but the best teachers are going to be your teammates. And then that's when you saw the Shy Tuttle thing happen, Adam Thielen, Terrace Marshall Jr. You got to see some of those moments between the veterans on the team and some of the younger guys. And so you have players stepping up in that role. I think that is a big deal. It's hard to quantify how much that means. I don't know if it's going to lead to two more wins. I don't know if that's going to lead to 30 more points on the season, whatever. It's hard to quantify. I do think it matters. With the coaching staff in place, you have a lot of different areas to go when looking for expertise on something. Do you think that's going to be the biggest factor into who wins the NFC South? Because Frank Reich... Yeah, he got fired. That happened with the Colts. But he also was an above 500 coach. Todd Bowles in Tampa, not the best success with his days as the Jets head coach. It didn't really work out for him either a long time ago. Same thing with Dennis Allen. And you have Arthur Blank, not Arthur Blank, always do that. Arthur Smith trying to figure it out with the Falcons organization. Frank Reich, you could argue, is the best coach in the division. You you certainly at the very worst, the second best, and very easily the best in the NFC South. How big of a factor will that be for them to win the division, Wes? Uh, I'm going to go with coach as far as being the biggest factor because I feel like the coaches at the top of this conference have good quarterbacks, good enough quarterbacks to win it. And so when you look at Dennis Allen, don't trust him at all, especially based off what we saw with him with the Raiders and then now with the Saints. Uh, he, He did a a little bit well, but still, for the most part, not a guy that I trust. Frank Reich, as you said, yes, he was fired, but I still like what I see from him. He did have some success in his previous stops. There were a lot of people who felt he was wrongly terminated. So I think that just the redemption factor with him having, uh, in my opinion, what will be the best quarterback in the division as well, I think it will come down to coaching. Um, Atlanta's Atlanta's coach, uh, what's his name again? Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith. He's a, um, I think he's a, a solid coach, but I would give the nod to Frank Reich in this instance. I'm going to go with coaching winning this division, and I go with Frank Reich. Well, and if we're just going with big gaps and improvement. factors, and yeah. he, him being the best coach. And with Carolina having gone from Matt Rule to Frank Reich, big improvement, huge improvement. And you can see that in some of these episodes. Doesn't it just feel so much more professional? just feels so different, man. Yeah. 
And all the legends are telling you that, the Panthers legends, whether it be TD, Steve Smith, Jake DeLome, all of them are telling you that there is a bigger energy surrounding whatever practice is. And you've always had that feel with Scott Fitterer, but you didn't have that feel with Matt Rule. And I think with Fitterer, now partnered with Frank Reich, I think you're getting a lot of that professionalism coming through the cameras, seeing that when they speak to media. And when you see it on their phone calls with some of these guys that they decide to take in the NFL draft, we can remember some of the weird moments with like Matt Rule talking to Thomas Fletcher, the long snapper. You coming, bro? You coming? It's like, oh, okay. It's a little weird. <laughs> Chuba Hubbard. Hey, Chuba, man, my wife wanted to draft you. Loved you. It's like, all right, it's a cool story. I don't, I don't want to hold it against you a ton. But with Frank Reich, with Scott Fitterer, it just seems like a much more polished message. And it just feels like, hey, excited to take you, you know, enjoy this moment, get ready to work, yada, yada. I actually like Frank Reich's phone call with Bryce Young when they were on the phone together saying, hey, this is going to be a great place. You're going to love it here. It wasn't really, you come in ready to work, you're ready to put in a whole <laughs> bunch of hours, which everyone hears, right? He was actually saying, no, we got a great team. I'm really excited about this. You're going to love it here. The locker room's great. Just talking a little bit to the player on what they can expect rather than giving you the cliche, hey, come in, work really hard, yada, yada. I really like that messaging from Frank Frank Reich to make your franchise QB feel as comfortable as possible and saying, hey, man, you're going to come in. You're going to fit extremely well with this squad. We've got a good thing growing, and we want you to be a part of it. Yeah, and I mean, I liked it as well. I I still felt like that was still a lot of coach speak, but with the offseason that they've had, I feel like that there is definitely some credibility there. What was funny, though, that cracked me up is when he met Hayden Hurst and he looked him up and down and he said that he looked good. And because Coach Young said this or no, no, no. uh, Frank Reich said that to Hayden Hurst. And it just cracked me up because coaches, no matter what level you're on, they all do this. And they give you the handshake where they feel your arms and your shoulders and your traps. And they tell you how good you look. <laughs> and I'm like, how did you think Hayden Hurst was going to come in? He's like, you look good. Like, that's just something coaches love to say to guys. They you look, look at you. You look off the bus. I see my coaches today, and definitely I've lost a good bit of weight since then. They still tell me that when they see me. They say, man, you look good. Strength coach, you look good. Oh, like coaches just love to to say that. My family, it is a lineage of basketball coaches. Yeah, it, they actually do that with me. Yeah, you're we, looking good. It happens all the time. I'll roll in. You know, my family is in Indianapolis. That's where I was born, and that's where my family still is. And my grandfather would say this. My dad still says it. My brother, they're like, "Oh, you look good." Like it's got to right. be some kind of contest. Yeah, yeah they make sure your. Do they give you the handshake and they touch? One hundred percent. Every I mean, time. it's 100%. Now, I, I haven't run into, you had more coaches than me, having yeah. been a part of your sport longer uh-huh. in your life. But going back to the family, which is a family of coaches, they do the same thing, mm-hmm. except they just are calling me son or brother. Yeah, man. It's <laughs> hilarious. I, I get, I'm getting felt out like, okay, yeah. yeah the no. And they always hit but, the same airs. They hit arm. But Wes, I can't trap, front. I shoulder. do the same thing to them, too. At least my brothers. <laughs> my brothers, I do. It's like, all right, you look good. Like, I'm, I'm giving it back to them. Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of that player relationship as well. Yeah. You're like, okay, yeah. And then you start to size up. And we do this thing. Where we have the Mel's Brother Challenge. Okay. It's me and my two other brothers. And we do a three-point shooting contest, a free-throw shooting contest, and a one-on-one contest. And it's every single time that we're in town for Christmas. So it's, it's not an annual event. It's actually probably once every two years or whatever when everybody's in town. And now, with me being 30, my other brothers are 42 and 40. 
starting to get a little bit past that. Destroying. But it it gets it gets rough. I bet it does. Oh yeah. Well, and I'm the worst shooter by far of all of them. But I win one on one every single time, and it's a beautiful thing because my brothers used to. Oh man, they used to destroy me mentally. You know, twelve year, ten year difference. It's a big yeah. old thing. When I finally beat them one on one as an eighteen year old, I never looked back. And so now we feel it's almost like you're filling each other up for the competition. Like, oh, is this guy got strong enough arms now? How yeah. much have you been working out in the last two years? I didn't see you. No, can can I get some ground in the post on these guys? So it's funny that coaches and even players will do a lot of that. Man, that's Tons funny. What's your go to move to get a bucket? Like, if you need one against your brothers, what do you? Um, definitely I'm driving in the post and I'm just backing you down. Okay. My brothers, they'll try to play out on the perimeter, especially my oldest brother. He was, uh, he was a guard in college. And so my other brother, Chris (laughs) shooting is so important. It, it dominates our family. Shooting is so important. My middle brother couldn't shoot at all. So my dad said, no, we're not having this hired the shot doctor, the famous one. Like the one that a lot of people probably know about was based out in Arizona, flew him out to Indiana to fix my brother's shot and is a sniper from deep now. It worked. Wow. My dad was like money well spent because he couldn't shoot whatsoever. It's a bunch of offensive rebounds, trash points. Now we got to have you working on the perimeter. Now for me, I had a good enough post game. It was just never happened. But with my middle brother, like, no, we're not having this. We're not having you clanking. We're going to have you swishing after this. Wow. So that's what happened. Yeah. I got some Skrilla bringing in a shot doctor. Well, either that or he's spending all of it on the shot doctor. That's what's (laughs) happening. All right. Let's go ahead. Let's drop it like it's hot before we move on to the last segment. What you got, Shroppy? All right. So some news from Adam Schefter is he is reporting a handful of NFL players, including the Colts, cornerback and kick returner Isaiah Rogers. Are, expect, are expected to receive season-long suspensions this week for gambling. So uh, we don't really know who else is involved in this. Everyone's just kind of holding their breath right now, and hopefully none of the players on your favorite teams are involved. So Frank Reich talked about this messaging being very important to his players. We don't know who the other players are in this very vague tweet from Adam Schefter, but talked about it, Wes. You know the rules. If you don't, there's no excuse as to why you don't know the rules. It's just a smart thing to not be gambling, especially on the team you play for or at team facilities. Don't do it or they will take that check away. Yeah, man. And I know people make mistakes, but good Lord, man. I mean, it's ridiculous. When you talk about Isaiah Rogers, he was on track to be one of the better corners in the league, had a chance to get a nice payday. And now you want to ruin it because you want to gamble. And I know, as I said, people deserve second chances. But when you feel like people know what's going on and they're just blatantly breaking the rules disregarding everything, you almost feel like they deserve a lifetime ban. I mean, how about that? Just get them the hell out of here. You know what you weren't supposed to do. You did it anyway, and you did it often. Let's just get you out of here, and then you can go get you a job uh, somewhere doing something else, and then you'll realize what happened. When when it's next to the suspended tag next to your name, it's nonsense. (laughs) It's like, just too much nonsense. It was time. You're my IND, indefinitely. Or FOR, forever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just give him something to get out of here, man. The nonsense suspension, it might be coming down on some of these NFL players. One more segment to go. It's coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7, Weston Walker, WFNZ. If you guys 
have any music themes, whenever something drops or anything in the news, feel free to let us know on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Wes Bryant underscore 72, at Troppy WFNZ. You can tweet at him as well because I don't need an excuse. It's always fun to have a theme to go with new music for the day. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was like, okay, Blueprint, let's just go with some Jay Z songs from those albums specifically. And so that's what we wrote. That was with today. very intuitive by you. Popping Tags is definitely one of my favorite actors. Such a good beat, man. It's such yes. a good beat. Blueprint, Blueprint 2, I always think is underrated. A lot of people don't like it, but I like And, and Blueprint 3, that's just an outright, I think it's okay to say fantastic album. Oh, no doubt. I thought you were going to say classic because I still go by the old source rules, the five mics calling albums classics and things like that. I give Blueprint 3 damn near classic status. But people it hate on great. it. But people hate on it. It was great. That, I agree. Top to bottom. I agree. Yes, you have some mainstream hits on it. I get it. You know, for the artsy folks. But they were folks. fire. They were, yes. 100%. Run This Town was fire. <laughs> the first time I ever heard Run, that, Run This Town... And that beat drop, I was like, oh, my God. Well, and even, you know, I played a few of them. Already Home, Death of Autotune, Real As It Gets with Jeezy, So Ambitious. I love all of them. Oh, so ambitious. (laughs) And then (laughs) Blueprint 2, that's one. It was was the song, the Blueprint 2 song on that album. I wanted to come out to that in high school and senior year. Finally, they let us have some control over that. Mm. And there's not any cursing up until you get to one specific part and like a minute, maybe two minutes in. Yeah. And because they heard that, I was like, no, we can cut this off. I was producing early. We can cut this <laughs> off. It's like, no, we can't have it on there. And so that was frustrating. Um, Blueprint 2, my favorite song, a song that gets me hype all the time is Hobie Baby. That intro is mm-hmm. so good. Yeah. It's such an epic beat. I love Hobie Baby. Uh, it's it's great. There's a lot of good songs on that. Yes. And so that's why it's it's not as good as Blueprint or Blueprint 3, in my opinion. But people I would act agree. like it's trash, and it's yeah, not it trash. It's and not. He, cut, he came with the 2.0 or well, something like that when he curse. cut the fat off. Well, it was the gift and the curse. It's a yeah. two-part album. Probably just condense it to one. Well, he Pick- did that. Remember, he, he, put, he put that out, but then he put out 2.1 where he took the best of both albums and just put it on one. Well, so maybe, maybe I'm just not up to the game on this because Blueprint 2 is the first album I bought with my own money. Mm. Well, it's that and then um I forget the other ones, but but this is the this is one of the few. And so maybe that it just holds a little bit of n- nostalgia yeah, for it me. Yeah, Blueprint Blueprint 2.1. So I had the gift and the curse. That's what I bought. Yeah, I had it too. Okay. So just felt like maybe you go with one CD, but I'm cool with both of them. We had this question for the texters. What's the mind-blowing song that you heard that changed your life, changed your taste forever? Nick from Belmont, he talked about Tech 9 blowing all of the other mainstream rappers and their albums out of the water. Uh, we can keep scrolling. 910 said, Ghetto Boys Can't Be Stopped. That was one. Ghetto Boys is a good one. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kitman Eric said, Graduation Kanye. Yeah, yeah. Kanye was... At to me, he came game. out the gate, went five for five classic. It's I'm crazy. Yeah. Five for five. Yeah. Uh, Aquemini was the mind blower yes. for Carolina Mike, who wrote yes, that sir. in. I saw a Dirty South album, Ranker, and Aquemini is number one. And I feel like it probably has to be number one. I can't argue with that. Outcast has multiple albums you could pick from, but Aquemini to me definitely is it's a masterpiece. I put you know, Riding Dirty 2, UGK, and yeah. that was on there. It was a ringer list. I actually kind of agreed with it for the most part. They didn't put ATLians because they didn't want too many Outcast albums, and that was stupid. Because to me, all of Outcast albums, 
except Speaker Box Love Below are classics. But to me, Speaker Box Love Below too is still yeah right totally there, damn near classic. Yeah, they're not bad. Yeah, no, it's just it's that a they're phenomenal not phenomenal album. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, also we did have a couple of other texts I wanted to get to, uh, Casey, Steve said, Wes was thinking about Jesus Shuttlesworth. Yeah. When I read what the text is said, as far as how, (laughs) what I said and how it came across and cause I was really sitting there like, what did I say? Like, I was like, what? We were laughing. But then when they said it, I was like, okay. I was like, Mm. you just didn't put the league at the end. You said, or G. And we didn't get the league. Right. <laughs> that was not intentional. Folks. It made me think of the scene where the girls are passing Chick, who is Rick Fox. Chick, Chick is going to take us to the NCAA tournament, yeah. or take you're going to take us to the championship. I researched Chick? that other scene too. Yeah, I'm sure you did. Jesus uh, smiling at those the were uh, women who worked in adult entertainment that did that scene. Did they really? Yes. Oh, well, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just know them from. He got game, and because I think it was some type of video, something about it was like facts that you that about the movie or something like that. And it also said that uh, that scene was real. They said Spike Lee and him just put the cameras in there and just let him go. Nobody was in the How room. real was it is the question. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, it, they said they just put the cameras in there well, and just yeah. let him go. Well, yeah, that's what I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, you said real. I wonder how real it gets. Uh, Alex and Steel Creek <laughs> said. Is looking at me. <laughs> oh, you like this? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I didn't know if he was talking about the, the scene. I thought, scene. yeah, because me and Kyle oh, have some yeah, conversations. I told him, I said, I watched something that was like a, the facts about the movie or something like that. I yeah. said the women who were in that scene were uh, adult. The Mariah yes. Miller type. Entertainers, yes. Yes. entertainers. And then they said that they just put the cameras in there and just let them go. Nobody was in the room. Oh, bro. And then Spike Lee just came back, I think, after the fact. And then they just. You said I read about that one room. time, dude. That's I, I thought I learned some things about manhood the first time I saw that scene. Imagine what uh, Jesus Shuttlesworth learned. Right. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, that you got the long sleeve Charlotte 49ers. Yeah, it's, man. It's, it's not it's a throwback is, norm. Yeah. Dude, I love uh, throwback what, logo. What, what's, your, what's your wardrobe budget, man? Like, this is impressive this was 450 four dollars and 50 cents american locker room i thought that's why i got the two shirts for 16 (laughs) damn you gotta hit that clearance rack you gotta start texting me like hey you mean hit this venmo i will start doing it and i will snap pictures for you i'll be in the mall today i don't even care about clothes like that really but like you're hitting me with some vintage like really solid stuff now yeah thanks what's the logo you want like at the top of the dome what is a random it doesn't have to be a hokey logo or anything like that what is the random old school logo that you would like to bring out on a five dollar shopping budget online or elsewhere what's the logo that comes to mind oh that's good that's good. Because um, the Seattle Supersonics is a great one. Yes. Colin will sport that, that T-shirt. I had that on yesterday. That was pretty Hartford cool. Hartford Whalers. Hartford, Hartford Whalers. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a good man. I don't think about this one. Um, yeah, we're putting you on the spot. I love, because right, uh, I like The old Wake. Braves one was solid. Oh, Very yeah, good. yeah, yeah. The I love Bra- Wake's uh, vintage logos, too, man. The, yes. the one that's the WF with the long stretched out. And I like the one with the mean looking, the, the real mean one. Mm-hmm. It's turned to the side looking at you like, what are you doing? The one I'll leave you with, Logo 704 said Vancouver Grizzlies. And I was going to go with mm. the Toronto Raptor dribbling the basketball. Oh, yeah. that was so good. That's the one I'll roll Denver with. Nuggets old, their old logo was pretty solid. With the, well, colorful the color scheme. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, that one was good. I actually pulled up a few to jog my the memory color here. spectrum. The Milwaukee Brewers haven't done too much to theirs, but their original was pretty sick. The Glove M. Yep. It's fantastic. And it, the B there. It's pretty iconic. Um, those, I think that's oh, some good ones. Uh, Pat the Patriot. Ooh, yeah. I yeah. thought about that one, too. As you Man. said that, Rather Be Golfing wrote in Patriot's old logo. Mm-hmm. You do that a lot. It's really weird. 
You say stuff. Maybe as I got the a burn and I'm in. sitting here texting that, from behind. That, that, <laughs> yeah. The old Houston Oilers oil rig. I mean, oh, something yeah, so yeah, yeah, like yeah. simple about it, yeah. man. It was awesome. I love yeah. that. It's so symbolic of the place, too. There's yep. some good ones, man. Yeah, there are. All right. Well, Kyle will tell you a little bit more about vintage logos and elsewhere. And the flea market GM. Yeah, I love it. Oh, it's such a good nickname. Flea yeah. market fitty. Y'all can have it when it goes back. <laughs> All right. Do you mind if we take that? I mean, it wouldn't mind, but yeah, I mean, it originated cool. on the show, but I'm going to let you guys have the rights to it because right. that needs to stick. All right. Well, once, once he comes back to us, we will call him Flea Market Fitty and roll with it. That'll do it for Wesson Walker. It's the Kyle Bailey Show and Flea Market Fitty coming up next. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.